Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Love you, honey. <laughs> well, thank you so much. You may go ahead and be seated. So glad to see each and every one of you here on this holiday weekend. And as Pastor was talking about what's happening in my life, I'm so thankful and I'm so grateful for the goodness of God. How about you? Has God done anything good in your life? Has God ever done anything exceedingly abundantly over what you've even expected? Well, that's what he's been doing with this project with the book. I've had a lot of favor and I give him the glory and honor for that. Raymond's going to be publishing at Faith Library Publications. Miss Lynette Hagen, she actually is the one that designed the cover. So, I mean, God has been good. God has been faithful. And how many of you'd like to see a picture of the cover? Well, I believe we have it available. We'll put it up on the screen. <laughs> As you can see, this lady isn't having a great day. But uh, Pastor Ken Hagen, when he saw that, he said, Lynette found this picture and she said, he said, that looks like a retro Brenda. We got to use that picture. So anyway, God is awesome. And I believe that uh, he's going to use this for his glory to touch lives. This project actually has been going on for about five years. I'd write a little bit, then lay it aside and then pick it back up and And God just continued to add different things to me. And it's ended up being like 182 pages. Praise God. And the common thread throughout the entire book is restoration. That God is bigger than our mistakes. He's bigger than our failures. There's nothing too difficult for our God. There's no mess that we can ever get ourselves into that God can't turn into a message. So that's the common thread. And I I believe that all of you be blessed when you purchase that book, hallelujah, and just be thinking about who you can buy a copy for and give it to them as well. But, you know, the story that the, the title came from happened nine years ago. And some of you may not have even heard the story of making the most of my meltdowns. How many of you don't even know what that story is about? Quite a few hands in here. All right. So for those of you that do know, you get to hear it again. Because I just felt in my heart that I should just go ahead and start the message today with this story. Making the most of your meltdowns. Like I said, it happened nine years ago. Used to, here at Heart of the Bay Christian Center, we had an annual church picnic. And it would usually be sometime in the month of August. And at these events, we ask everybody in the church, of course, to bring their favorite dishes, to bring their wonderful goodies to share with those that were attending the picnic. So that night, it was like a Friday night before our church picnic. I decided I would make these delicious chocolate chip cookies. Now, these chocolate chip cookies have been world famous. Not actually world famous, but pretty much Anybody that's ever had them loves my chocolate chip cookies. I'm not boasting of me, but can I get a witness? Anybody ever eaten them that likes them? All right, there you go. Well, anyway, so, you know, I always like to bring these chocolate chip cookies to the picnic to impress everybody because of how good of a cook I was. And, not, you know, I'm joking. But anyway, so I had made these cookies on Friday night, and I made a big, huge batch, put them in this gigantic plastic Tupperware dish, and I was getting ready to go to bed, and I noticed a little ant on the counter. And I had this thought. Now, that ant 
will not get my cookies in the name of Jesus. And then I remembered growing up on the farm, don't ask me why this came to me, but growing up on the farm, I remember that my mother always said, if you got a real special dessert or goodie or treat, put it in the oven. The ants won't go in the oven. So ding, the light came on. I'll set this great big huge Tupperware full of dozens of cookies in my oven and they'll be safe from the ants and they'll be safe from James and his buddies that might come home tonight. They'll be hidden. So I put them in the oven, go to bed. And of course the picnic starts fairly early. For me, it's early. I'm not a morning person. So I had to get up early for me to go downstairs and I was also going to make ham and baked beans. You know, you can't just bring one thing. So I'm going to make all these things that have to be cooked in my oven to bring to the picnic. So the first thing you do, if you're going to make something in the oven, all good cooks know this, you preheat the oven, right? So I turned the oven on. Now, at this time, my stove had one of those those uh, windows on it that's kind of like blacked out so you really can't see in the oven. So I turned the oven on to preheat the oven, get out all my cans of baked beans, turn my back to the stove, start opening up all of these cans, and in a little bit, I start smelling something. And I am clueless. And I'm thinking, somebody is burning something. Don't they know we live in California and it's against the law to burn your garbage? And the more I smelled it, I kept thinking, it smells like plastic burning. That is so weird. Clueless still. Clueless. About that time, Pastor Mark comes downstairs and he says, what's that smell? I don't know. Somebody's burning something outside. It's awful, isn't it? He sits down on the couch and I, get, I don't know if he called him or, or Tony called him. But anyway, he's in a phone conversation with Tony, Reverend Tony Cook, one of our dear friends. At that time, I think he was still the dean of Rhema Bible Training Center. And I mean, this is going on for quite a while. And all of a sudden, I decide to turn around, put my beans in the baked oven. I turn around and I see flames. Smoke starting to come out. I see flames leaping from my oven, and all I could do was, Jesus, ah, I screamed, and Mark's like, what's going on? I said, the stove is on fire, the oven is on fire, so he says to his good buddy, Tony Cook, I have to go, Brenda's burning the kitchen down, <laughs> so he hangs up. I had enough sense because the flames were pretty uh, numerous in there not to open the door because I knew if I opened the oven door, it was going to get worse. So I just kept the door shut, turned the oven off. But I, this perfect pastor's wife, had a fit of carnality. (laughs) None of you have ever had one, right? You never lost it. I lost it. And this is so stupid. The thing that I was most concerned about was, My cookies are ruined. My precious cookies are now a burnt sacrifice. They're ruined. Well, pastor's trying to be a loving, gracious husband, and he didn't really want to point it out right away. But after a while, he said, Honey, I think we have a bigger issue here than your cookies. Because by that time, we opened the door. And the plastic, and I mean, these are not low-octane cookies. Pounds of butter and cups of sugar are in these cookies. 
and they had ignited quite well. And the whole Tupperware thing had melted. It was still dripping. But what had melted was just encaked on the coils in the oven. So pastor points out in a loving fashion, we have a bigger issue here. I think the stove is ruined. Well, with that revelation, I got even more upset and did what most people do, tried to find somebody to blame. So I began to blame the picnic. That stupid picnic. That dumb church picnic. I've never liked it. I don't like going there. I don't enjoy watching all these people play sports. I don't like sitting out there in the hot sun. I hate the picnic. I've always hated the picnic. And that's the truth. And this year, I'm not going, I said. It's the picnic's fault that my cookies and my stove are ruined. Once again, pastor trying to be loving and understanding did what any good husband would do. He said, honey, I have to go to the picnic. I'm the pastor. So I am leaving to go buy some pies and whatever else and some chicken. Because it's obviously the ham and the baked beans ain't a happening either. So being a good loving husband, he exited. He left. Left me in my fit of carnality. Still upset. While he's gone, the phone rings. It's Reverend Tony Cook again. And he's like, Brenda, is everything okay? Mark said you were burning the kitchen down. So I'm still upset. Proceed to tell him what would happen. And Tony is trying to be compassionate. You know, men try to be compassionate. Well, they are sometimes, but anyhow. (laughs) I start telling him this story. And he's trying to console me and tell me everything's going to be all right. And I can hear it in his voice. His voice starts fluctuating like he's holding back laughter. So finally I said, I guess it is pretty hilarious. Go ahead and laugh. He just started laughing and laughing and laughing. Made me laugh. And then he said, you know, Brenda, God takes our messes and and gives us a message. He said, this just comes to me. You need to preach a sermon making the most of your meltdowns. And that's where the title came from. So anyway, the outcome didn't stop there. And this is the lesson that the Lord taught me. First of all, I repented, got myself together, went to the picnic. Been there probably about five minutes. I know I can see Rose back there, Rose Marquez and her gang used to be serving all the time at the picnic. And what they would do when my cookies would arrive, they would hide them and they would keep them for themselves. (laughs) So Rose and some of the workers are like, where are those cookies? (laughs) I told pastor, don't tell anybody where the cookies are this year. But, of course, that never works either. 
So it started circulating throughout the picnic grounds. What had happened to Pastor Brenda's precious cookies? And it was funny to me how many ladies started telling me their cooking horror stories. They seemed to be delighted that their perfect pastor's wife had done something so stupid <laughs> and so dumb. And there was one precious lady, Mother Pauline King, who's now 101 years old at the time she was in her 90s. She came over to me, patted me like she'd patted my hand, said, Honey, it'll be all right. Call your homeowner's insurance. <laughs> I'd never even thought of that. And I had too much respect for her to ask her how she knew that the homeowner's insurance would cover this loss. But as soon as I got home, I did call them and I said, Hey, do we have a clause in our policy for stupidity? And the agent happened to be a woman, thank God, on the phone. And she said, Yes, honey, you do. What did you do? So I told her what I did. She kind of chuckled too and started talking about people that have melted toys and all sorts of stuff in their oven. But then she said, you do have a clause in there. She said to me, I want you to go get two quotes on the kind of oven that you want, and I'll have an adjuster at your house on Tuesday morning. Tuesday morning. I well, You know, Monday, I was out looking at stoves. <laughs> Tuesday morning, the guy calls, comes to our house. He opened the door of my oven, closed it, and said, you're getting a new stove. <laughs> then he asked me if I had the quotes. I showed him the quotes. Which one do you like? I pointed it out to him. Right on the spot, he took out his checkbook and started writing out a check. I was stunned. I figured there'd be a ton of red tape and all this stuff with the insurance companies. And the peace of God and the joy of the Lord just started coming upon me. And, and he said, hey... You know, you do have a $250 deductible, but I'll write you out the check for the rest of it. Boy, I was rejoicing. I'm going to get a new stove for $250. Woohoo! Praise the Lord. And the rest of the story is that our stove was 18 years old and I'd been wanting a new one. But let me file a disclaimer here. Don't anyone go melt some plastic in your stove. I don't want to be, you know, accused of some new scam here of people running their stoves to get a new one. But anyway, God was faithful and God was good. By Friday, I had the new stove delivered into my kitchen up for business. Hallelujah. Open to cook those cookies again. So that Sunday night, I began to preach and tell the story. And as I was telling it, I'm just rejoicing that I got a new stove and only had to pay $250 for it. But there was another precious woman sitting in the congregation. Wilma, do you remember this? After that message, she came up to me, wrote out a check for $250. And she said, when you were preaching, the Lord said, I don't want her to pay for any of this mistake. I'm teaching her. I'm greater and I'm bigger than our mistakes. And you know what? It does? I, that was me that did that. I could not say it was the devil. It was demonic influence. It wasn't the picnic's fault. It was me doing a dumb thing. Having a blonde moment. <laughs> Even though I may not naturally be blonde anymore, but at, when I was a kid. But God said... After 
that night, he gave me this phrase. He said this. this we're going to get into the word now. Did you enjoy that story? But <laughs> said, God said this to me. He said this phrase. God is a master at fixing any disaster. God is a master at fixing any disaster. I know that's a funny story. I know that it probably can't compare to the horrendous things that people literally face in their lives. But the lesson is still the same. God is a master at fixing any disaster. Whether the disaster was created by us our stupidity, whether it was created by somebody in our family making a poor choice and a wrong decision, or whether it was created by an all-out attack of the devil. The source of the mess doesn't matter. What matters is God is greater, and God is the restorer. Hallelujah. The first thing that I want to talk about if we're going to receive restoration into our life is that when we do miss it, obviously we need to repent. We need to cry out for mercy. But this is so vital to walking in restoration. We have to forget the past. We have to lay aside all that junk from the past. You cannot reach for a bright future if you're holding on and always been pulled backwards because of something that you did in your past. Forget the past. We have a wonderful example of this found over in Philippians. And yes, we are going to read the word. Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to look at this in the Amplified. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. Everybody say, thank God for restoration. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 in the Amplified. Of course, this was written by the Apostle Paul. He said here, Not that I now, not that I have now attained this ideal or have already been made perfect, but I press. Everybody say press. press. I press on to lay hold of. To grasp and to make my own that for which Christ Jesus the Messiah has laid hold of me and made me his own. Verse 13. I do not consider, brethren, that I have captured and made it my own yet. But one thing I do, it is my one aspiration, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what Jesus, to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the supreme and heavenly prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling me upward. What did the Apostle Paul say here? He said, I have to forget the past. Some of you may not know the history of the Apostle Paul's life. Well, you could say, well, what did he have to forget? He was an apostle for heaven's sake. He was called of God to preach the gospel around the world. What could he have in his past that was so terrible? The Apostle Paul was not always the Apostle Paul. He was actually a man named Saul. 
And Saul was known for persecuting the church. Saul was known for imprisoning Christians and having them killed because he was such a devout Jew. He didn't like the message of the gospel. He didn't like what Jesus and his followers were preaching. So Saul was a persecutor of the people of God. He had an encounter though, thank God. He had an encounter on the road to Damascus where the Lord Jesus appeared to him. And he said to him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He didn't say, why are you persecuting my people? He said, me. Jesus takes it personally when people persecute you. Jesus takes it personally when people harass and do wrong to his people. It's a personal issue with him because we are his and he is ours. We are his beloveds and he is our beloved. So Saul had this encounter. But through this incident, as I was preparing to preach, the Lord just spoke to me about Paul who once was Saul. He said, you think you've got stuff in your past that are hard to deal with? Just think about this. Here he'd been persecuting the Christians. Now he's at the church of Philippi. He's preaching the gospel to these people. He perhaps had to look into the eyes of a woman who he'd had her husband killed. He perhaps had to look into the eyes of a parent that he'd had their son imprisoned for the sake of the gospel. These were real issues. This was a huge thing. He had persecuted the church and now he's right in the middle of the people that he had persecuted and some that he'd had their relatives killed. The devil could have used what he had done to beat him up, to hold him down. He could have said, Paul, you are unworthy to preach the gospel. Paul, you can't go to the churches. They're not going to receive you because they don't trust you for what you did in the past. But Paul had this revelation from the Spirit of God. That man that did that is dead. God wanted him to so have that inbred in him that he said, I'm actually changing your name. You're no longer going to be Saul. You are Paul because Saul, the man that did that jump is dead. You are a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Don't let your past hold you back. He said, I'm going to press upward for the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He had the revelation of the power in the blood. Do you? Do you know how powerful the blood is to cleanse us from our unrighteousness? I can just see it. I bet one of Apostle Paul's favorite songs had to be, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow. That makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. If we let things that we've done in the past hold us back and keep us from walking 
in God's best. You know what we're saying? My sin, my mistake is greater than the blood of Jesus. And it's not. Nothing that we have done, nothing that we have said is greater than the blood. There's power in the blood. We have to allow him to cleanse us. Of course, that means things that we did before we were born again. But even once that we are born again, we have opportunities sometimes every day to repent. But when we repent, thank God, what's the word say? He's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our unrighteousness and put us right back in right standing. We never lose our position in Christ Jesus because of something that we have done. We are in right standing with him. Sin affects our fellowship. That's why we have to repent and we get to repent and we get to draw back nigh because of the blood of the lamb. But we need to have the attitude that the apostle Paul had. I'm going to forget that mess. And I'm going to press toward something greater and something higher. The prize that is calling me upward. Of course, when we miss it, there's regret. There's remorse. And oftentimes there's consequences. But we are not to live there. Get it under the blood and move on up. Move on up. Life is a press, isn't it? Every day it's a press. But God, I love how it says here in verse 14, for the prize that is calling us upward. Don't you like that? That just sends a thrill in my heart. Upward. God's love is like a magnet. And what does a magnet do? It pulls things up to itself. His love will pull you up. His grace, His mercy will pull you up. Into that position that he has prepared for you. He's not the kind of God that says, I'm going to drag them through the mud, through the crud. I'm going to knock them down level to the ground. No, he's a God that lifts us. Hallelujah. He's a God that raises us up. Again, the apostle Paul, he also wrote the book of Ephesians to the church at Ephesus. And he said this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, in the King James Version, I'll just quote it to you. He said that Jesus has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And then he went on to say, he told them where that seat was. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 21, he said, that seat, this is where it is, far above. Everybody say far above, far above above. all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. I have a question for you. Is condemnation a name? Is regret a name? Is guilt a name? Well, the apostle Paul said, when you bring it to to Jesus, when you repent, There's a name that will lift you far above. It's greater than any other name. It's greater than any attack 
of the devil. God wants to bring restoration to anything and everything that we have lost. Listen to what the word restoration means. This is just one of the definitions, but I love this one. To put back into existence or use. To put back into existence or use. The devil likes to sideline people. He likes to say, because of what you did, it's over for you, buddy. Because you missed it, God can't use you. Sure, you can still go to heaven, but you're going to have nothing but hell down here on earth. You made this hard bad, now you're going to have to lie in it. All those lies of the devil. But God is saying, I will put you back into existence. I will use you for my glory. Don't listen to the lies of the devil. Another phrase that the Holy Spirit gave me through this whole process was, I will restore and make better than before. I will restore and make better than before. If you don't get anything out of this message today, except this, get these two phrases. God is a master at fixing any disaster. And God will restore and make better than before. It's not over and it's not too late. So this is the first step to restoration. Forget the past. Hallelujah. Everybody with me? Now I want you to turn over to Isaiah chapter 42 verse 22. Again in the King James and we're going to look at another ingredient for restoration. Hallelujah. I believe faith is rising in this place. I love the worship today and I love the word that Pastor Kimberly by the Spirit of God gave out. What are you expecting? Are you expecting restoration? Are you expecting God to show up in every area of your life? That's what He wants to do. Hallelujah. He wants that test that you may be going through right now to be turned into a testimony. He can get glory. Hallelujah. He wants to restore and make better than before. Here in Isaiah chapter 42 verse 22. But this is a people robbed and spoiled. They are all of them snared in holes and they are hid in prison houses. They are for a prey and none delivereth for a spoil and none saith restore. If we want restoration, this is a second ingredient. We must declare restoration. We must say restore in the name of Jesus. Now, this verse here was speaking of a condition of Israel. And the father was grieved that they had been robbed and stolen from. He was not happy that they were not rising up and taking back what the enemy had tried to come and take from them. He was displeased that when the enemy showed up, they were tucking tail and they were running. And they were hiding in holes and they were letting the devil just plunder them. The enemy plunder them and take whatever they wanted. God was grieved about this condition and it displeased him because they were not crying out for restoration. 
Everybody say, restore. restore. Say, I'm going to declare, declare. Restoration. restoration in every area of my life. They weren't speaking their covenant. They weren't rebuking the enemy. If God was displeased that his children were not declaring restoration under the old covenant, what do you think that it's like? That What do you think that it does to him when his blood bought? Are you blood bought? When his blood bought, redeemed from the curse, more than conquerors, joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ, born again children, don't rise up and declare restoration. It's available to us folks, but we have our part to play when it comes to redemption, when it comes to walking in God's bless. Let me say this, silence is not golden. If you keep your mouth shut and you just let the enemy run roughshod in your life, you are tying God's hands in a sense. It's our voice that gives him the entrance and the authority to come into our situation and bring restoration. We got to open our mouth and declare what the word of God declares. We got to open our mouth and boldly say, restore. Devil, you ripped me off there, but I'm declaring restore in the name of Jesus. Just think about it. When you got born again, how did you get born again? Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And then it goes on in verse 10 and it says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Did you know that Christianity is called the great confession? You get born again by believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth what the Lord Jesus has done in our lives. And it's the same principle that works on receiving all the promises of God. You need healing in your body? Find scriptures that promise you healing. And don't just look at them. Don't say, isn't that nice? Speak it. Declare it. You need restoration in your finances. Find the word of God in the word of God that says he promised to meet all of my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Begin to declare I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. My God restores everything that the enemy has tried to steal from me. And be bold about it. Don't be a mamby-pamby. Don't be a wimp. Rise up and take what God has promised us. The Bible says in Proverbs 28.1, The righteous are as bold as a lion. We recently had little Livy, our granddaughter, in our home for a week. And I, I loved introducing new things to her. They hadn't yet taught her about Crayolas and coloring books. So I bought Crayolas and coloring books. And we were sitting there. And after we got past the fact that she wanted to eat them, then she really enjoyed it. So she's coloring on these coloring books. She has a Crayola in each hand. So I thought, that looks like fun. So Grammy will join in. So I pick up a Crayola and start coloring. It was just a few minutes. She looked at me. She looked at my Crayola and she thought, you could just see it. 
Yours looks better than mine. She threw hers down and just grabbed mine. <laughs> just boldly took it. And then after a while, she got bored with coloring on the book and thought, you know, I need a bigger thing. So she started coloring on the table. Then she got up and walked over to the kitchen cabinet, started coloring on the cabinet and on the floor. And yes, sad but true, I let her. (laughs) I didn't want to run it for her. I knew I could get it off. She was having a great time. But in that, (laughs) that's what grandparents do, parents. So, hey, deal with it. They're yours. When they go home, you have to correct what we did, but whatever. (laughs) But in that, as I was preparing this message, the Lord just spoke that in my heart. He said, remember how bold Livy was to take your Crayola? How bold she was to go over and to start coloring on the cabinets? He said, I would to God that my children would have that same kind of childlike faith. And get stirred up on the inside of them. And say, if my father says it's mine, it's mine. If my father has it in his hand, I can just go and take it. Because he's given it to me. His hands are not closed. His fist is not tight. We don't have to pry his hands open to get the blessings of God. Libby didn't have to fight to get that Crayola. I gave it to her. Because she wanted it. God's got things that he wants you to have. Rise up and take them. Hallelujah. Take what is yours. If the devil's been bombarding your mind with all of these negative thoughts, you can't have this. You can't do that. You'll never accomplish this. You're just so low and you're so unworthy. Then this is what you need to do. Send him a message and write it on the bottom of your foot. Because the Bible says we've been raised up together and made to sit together with him, the Lord Jesus, in heavenly places. And the devil is defeated and the devil is under our feet. Stop giving him so much reverence and awe and stop thinking and dwelling on all the things that he's ripped off and he's stolen from you. It's time to take it back. Put him in his place. Take it back in the name of Jesus. Your voice is your address in the realm of the Spirit. I can stand up here and preach till I'm blue in the face that God wants restoration in your life. I can agree with you in prayer, but the most powerful thing that's going to make the difference is you declaring restore in the name of Jesus. You... You need to hear yourself declare the word. God wants to hear you speak the word. And the devil really needs to hear you speak words of faith. Speak words of declaration, of restoration. Amen. There's so many other elements of restoration. But you know what? I'm not going to get in to all of those. We'll pick it up. At another time, because I've learned when the iron is hot, strike while the iron is hot. And there's some declaring that needs to be happening right now. We don't want to fall in that category of none that there to say, 
restore. I want everybody to stand up right now. We're going to do a mass declaration. We're going to do a mass altar call. I'm telling you, there is an anointing. This atmosphere is charged with faith. This atmosphere is charged with restoration right now. How many of you are ready to take it back? How many of you are ready to say, I'm taking it back in the name of Jesus? My God is bringing restoration into every area of my life. Hallelujah. Now, before we do what I saw in my heart to do, I want everybody just to bow your heads for a moment. We never want to assume or take for granted that people in here, everyone in here is born again. I'm telling you, if you've not yet come into the family of God, woo, you need to. (laughs) Talk about awesome. Talk about restoration. Woo! God will give you joy unspeakable and full of glory. He'll give you peace that passes all understanding. If you're in here today and you've never declared Jesus as Lord, or perhaps you walked with Him at one time and you've gotten away from Him, but oh, today it's rising up on the inside of you. I want, I want to come home. God wants to restore you into fellowship with himself. If that's you, raise your hand. We're going to pray a prayer. Anyone in here, you want to receive the Lord Jesus Christ or you want to come back into fellowship with him? Hallelujah. 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 You know what I want us all to do right now? Let's all just lift our hands, lift our voice, and let's just say, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And I believe in my heart. And I confess with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord. I am born again. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Heaven is my home. And heaven is in me now. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, this is what we're going to do. One of the biggest things that came up in my heart is that there are people here today that you have suffered loss in the financial area. I know some people have lost jobs. Some people have lost their homes. Let me just read this scripture to you. Joel chapter 2 verse 25, it says, I will restore to you the years. I know there's some people that have lost years. Mm, Jesus, that the, that the locusts have eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, and the palmer worm. Lack and financial attack is a worm. It eats away at your security. It eats away at the foundation of your life. It eats away at your peace. If I was going to ask for a show of hands of how many people have been awake at night wondering how they were going to pay the bills. I know there would be a lot. It's a worm. But God said, I will restore to you the years that the worm has eaten. Hallelujah. Then in the area, in the area of health, I know there's some people that have been under physical attack. What is that designed to do? To rob us of our strength so we can't fulfill 
what God has called us to do. I found this scripture in Jeremiah 30, 17. It says, for I will restore health to thee and heal thee of thy wounds. I will restore health to thee and heal thee of thy wounds. Hallelujah. That's God's promise. Then another area. I know there's people in here. You've been tormented in your mind. That peace has been disturbed. Our mind is our soul. It's our will and our emotions. And aren't you thankful that the word of God says in Psalms 23, 3, he restoreth my soul. You don't have to be under mental torment. You don't have to live depressed and oppressed. He restoreth my soul. So I want to ask, there's other areas, but those three stood out to me. If you're in here today and you've been under attack in the financial area, go over on that side. If it's been a physical thing, go over on that side. If it's been depression and depression, come down here in the middle. You don't have to line them up. We can just be, it's going to be a mass altar call because you are going to declare some things. Physical, financial. If you've lost something. If you're believing. Now I know there's a lot more than that. If you're believing for a job. How many of you are believing for a job? Then go over here and join these folks. If you're believing for a job, that means that you've lost one. And God wants to restore. And what's he going to do? He wants to restore and give you better than before. The job people can go ahead and fill in over here. The job, the finances. Some of you might be saying, well, why is this necessary? Why can we have to come to the front? Because you're making a statement. Do you want to make a statement in the realm of the spirit? That God is restoring into your life. If you've been bothered by depression and oppression. You can come right here in the middle. You can even go down the aisle there. It's okay. Hallelujah. 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 Now that word that we read in Isaiah 42 said. There's none that say restore. That means that people are just letting the devil lie to them. And beat them up. Are you ready to settle it today? All of you down here, you need your health restored. The enemy's not going to take any more years. You're going to run your race, Carolyn. You're going to run your race strong. He's not getting any years off of your life. He's not getting any in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Restoration. Restoration. So we're going to start with healing over here. Now everybody get into agreement. All of you that need your health restored, lift up your hands right now. And I want to lead you in a confession, and then you're going to do some declaring. Say, Father God, I see in your word that the stripes that Jesus took on his back were for my healing. I receive that work that was done at Calvary. I'm redeemed. From the curse of the law. law. I'm redeemed. redeemed. From sickness. sickness. Jesus. Jesus. I take you. you As my healer. healer. 
And I declare declare restoration restoration to my body. body. Every organ organ. and every tissue tissue. be restored. restored. Muscles Muscles. be restored. restored. Any area of my body body. that's been weakened by disease disease. be restored restored. in the name of Jesus. Now all of you just begin to declare restore, restore, restore my health, restore my strength, restore my health, restore my strength, restore my health, restore my health, Father, my eyes are on you, restore my health, restore my strength, restore my health, restore my strength, I'm not giving you any more place, my body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, oh Lord, restore her health.